Hello, you are listening to The Power of Investing in People with Shay Sparks. I had the honor of being on the show with Shay and wow, how authentic she is and how much I know that she wants to keep hope alive in the community. So thank you all for joining. And everyone here today, I'm offering a special to all active duty or retired military to my all access on-demand training where we learn how to dream, believe, and achieve our best life. Please visit at timlanefitness.com and I'll see you all soon. Enjoy the show. From growing up in an orphanage to becoming a coach, well-sought-out speaker, and podcaster, Oleg Lohid shares his perspective on how change really happens, how we can only change within, we cannot change another person, and when we want to change the world, we start by changing ourselves. Also, we discuss limiting beliefs, letting go of control, and how to gain confidence. Stay tuned to his inspiring journey. You won't want to miss it. Welcome to the Power of Investing in People podcast. I am your host, Shay Sparks, Chief Excitement Officer of Sparks of Fire International, where we get you fired up about your life and your business by transforming trauma into a treasure. Check out my new co-author collaborative book called Hashtag Firestarters, How to Be a Spark of Hope in the Midst of Change on my website, shaysparks.com. And I invite you to connect with me on all the social media links that's on my website, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, and even YouTube channel. And today, our guest is the amazing Oleg Lohid. Welcome to the show, Oleg. Awesome. Thank you for pronouncing my name correctly. I understand. Something I get butchered a lot. I do. I get mine butchered a lot too. So I try to make sure I do it, really pay attention to that. So yeah. Yeah. I don't take it personally anymore. I used to many, many, not many, many years ago. I mean, within the past however many years. And I just got to a point personally where the name was being butchered in so many different ways. And even in situations where I try to correct the person for how I would like to have it be pronounced and the person was still pronouncing it differently. I just realized that this is how I'm going to be remembered for the next 45 minutes to an hour or 30 minutes, whatever that duration is. So I I stopped taking it personally because I think people have their own experiences and sometimes people hear certain things or their mind is preoccupied with something else. So me trying to correct someone else goes back to wanting to change other people. I found a very, very difficult task, if not impossible. Very true. And, you know, truthfully, I had the same thing. People have called me Shaw. And after correcting them or just saying, actually, it's Shay, you know, 20 years later, they're still calling me Shaw. So I was like, eh, <laughs> whatever. It is what it is, right? How'd you get that character, the A? It is, I did it on my cell phone. And if you hold down the letter, it pops up. The micron pops up for the long A. So it's actually short for Shayla. And there's an I in the middle of L and A. And everyone pronounced it Shalia. And I'm like, nope. I don't know huh. why they, I don't know why they put the I there. <laughs> but we'd silent. That's funny. I was so, wondering if you like borrowed that from another language. Because I was trying to figure it out myself. How to insert a character like that, I think, in one of the 
emails or messages I was sending to you and not, and I just, I gave up because I didn't know where to go. <laughs> I didn't know which language to turn it to. Yeah. Normally if your cell phone or an Apple product, I think you can hold them. Change the the letters. Character. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. My PC doesn't let me do it. So it's only from my, my phone. And I'm trying to remember who, cause we've had to, we've been connected for a while and ended yeah. up rescheduling this. And I'm trying to remember who introduced us in the first place. Was it Sajel? Either Sajel or Joe Bogdan, maybe. I think it was before Joe. So maybe, maybe it was Sajel. Sajel. I think it was Sajel. Cause she introduced mm-hmm. me to you and Scott at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. And now look at you guys. You guys are you're amazing. <laughs> so many amazing things. And we'll get to that in a minute. Absolutely. So, we just dived right in, didn't we? Which is awesome. So for those of you who don't know, Oleg Lohid started his life in an inauspicious way. At nine, he relinquished his parents' rights and entered the Russian orphanage. At 12, he decided to be adopted into a family, into a new country, halfway across the world to start a new life. At 24, he began his journey of helping others live the life they had always dreamed of. Despite their hardships and misfortunes by allowing them to recognize the uniqueness and worth within their own story. And he shares that on his website, overcomingodds.today and his podcast, Overcoming Odds Podcast. And then you have a second podcast, The Power of Mm -hmm. Story. Is that correct, Oleg? Yes. The Power of Your Story. Yeah, that's awesome. And, you know, you have just really transformed your own life. So I just, and I know that you have such a heart for people. So Mm -hmm. let's just start off with the first question of what does investing in people mean to you? It's a really good question. The way that I would approach in even answering what appears to be simple, but rather complicated and complex question to begin with. And that's, I think for me, it starts with self. It's understanding the different things within my own journey What I mean by that is understanding how would I like to be treated? How would I like to be respected? What does respect look like in my life? How would I like to be supported when it comes to my own dreams and aspirations and goals that I'd like to achieve in life? And then from there, choosing to use other people as reflections of myself and treat them the same exact way that I would treat myself. Hmm. When I first understood this approach. And when I thought about the different goals and aspirations I had in my life and people were coming to join me along my journey to help me get to those particular destinations, I realized that I had a responsibility and that responsibility was not solely to get to a particular mile marker within my own individual journey, but it's also to help other people who are joining me in those efforts to help them get to their own mile markers. Because let's face it, in my opinion, not everyone wants what you want. I think it's a fact of life or one of the facts of life. And so in understanding that particular component, I begin to realize that it's my responsibility to help whoever it is that I'm crossing paths with. Right now, it's you and many of the listeners. The next hour, it could be something completely different. The responsibility is to better understand where it is that they're going and how it is that that I might be able to help them and add value to their lives. I believe that if you have a conversation long enough with any individual, you will find ways to add value to their lives. When I started to understand that, I realized that not only was every conversation valuable to me to begin with, but the other part is every conversation is an opportunity for me to really understand 
who is the person outside of what they do or, and why they do it. And that has been ultimately the journey that I took myself on with Overcoming Nods, The Power of Your Story, all these other projects that I'm a part of, is I'm genuinely interested in learning about other people because I feel that, in my opinion, we are way more connected and we are way more similar then we are different. So yes, you might have your own ways to deal with stress and anxiety and depression and adversity and all these other challenges in life. But at the core of it all, there appears to be an overarching theme that helps you get through it that I probably use elements of as well, whether that's kindness, whether that's gratitude, whether that's connecting to other people, whether that's wanting to better understand how can you truly invest in others And I think going back to that question, what that means to me is in order to invest in others, I had to first understand what it's like to invest in yourself. Beautifully said. That's so true. And that's kind of why I started to ask that question is Mm -hmm. because I found that when we invest in ourselves first, it uh, naturally overflows onto uh, others, onto our family, onto our business, onto our community. Yeah. And so many people don't look at it like that. Yeah. And, and I think to that point as well, the other thing that I am actively doing, I'm a work in progress in regard to everything I'm about to share, because what I know today may not be what I know tomorrow or the week after. But what I started to realize, and this kind of touches upon the very first point that we made at the beginning of this conversation, it's that for however many years of my life, I desperately wanted to change other people. Mm. I don't know if you've experienced this or anyone that's mm-hmm. listening, but you know, when you read a great book for me, that great book was thinking grow rich by Napoleon Hill. Yeah. And as soon as I read that book, I literally wanted to go on top of a mountaintop <laughs> and shout it to everyone that this is a book that they need to read. Yes. This is a book that will enhance other people's lives because it gave me the ability to understand that I can truly think and grow rich from my thoughts alone. Nothing mm-hmm. else. Just my thoughts alone can impact my words. My words can impact my actions. And in that moment, I remember picking up my phone, sending a text message to all my closest friends saying, you got to get this. You got to listen to this. Tell me what you think. Can't wait to hear about it. Afterwards, there was nothing but crickets. Right. I think some people read the message, but maybe they were experiencing other circumstances Their mind was occupied with other things. And then take it a step farther. When I was younger, and the part of the introduction that you mentioned when I was that nine-year-old kid giving up my parental rights, one of the reasons why I did that is because that's the same exact thing I was trying to do back then. I was trying to change my own mom's trajectory in life in order for her to experience a different lifestyle, Mm -hmm. which could hopefully lead to the possibility of her and I along with my sister all under one roof again, which didn't end up happening. Mm. And so it was from that very young age that I began to realize that the only thing I can truly change is self. Yes. And I think there's a beautiful poem that also illustrates this. I don't remember who wrote it. I think it might be unknown or, or some monk who wrote this way back in the day. And he's essentially the concept is that, Once upon a time, he tried to change the nation, and he couldn't change the nation. He tried to change the family. He couldn't change the family. And what he ended up realizing, that it was only through changing himself. He was able to change his family. He was able to change his country. He was able to change the world. 
Yeah. And that to me speaks volumes because going back to our original point, it all starts with self. So if I want to treat you with respect, I need to understand what respect actually looks like and feels like internally. Mm -hmm. If I want to express gratitude to you, I need to understand what does it mean to feel like someone is grateful for my presence in their life and how can I communicate that to the other individual? Much of that journey, I think, goes to introspection and having the ability to ask myself some of these what appear to be difficult questions in life. But for me, I don't shy away from them anymore because I know that each there's always a question within a question. And so each question is an opportunity for me to dig deeper to better understand myself, to better understand other people, to better understand my circumstances, but to bring it all back and make this story, make this long story even longer. What I started to realize at the end of the day is that I truly can't change other people. Yeah. I can influence them. I can influence their thoughts. I can influence their actions. I can influence their words, but At the end of the day, change, in my opinion, has to happen from within. So no matter what I tell you today, or no matter what I share with you on this conversation, unless something internally triggers and inspires you to take your own action, nothing's going to change. I think it's simple as that. And I try to overcomplicate that sometimes. I said, well, there's no way it could be that simple, but that's just the simple truth. Unless you really want it, you're probably not going to change your circumstances. Makes me think of the, 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 just the phrase, be the change, right? So the change that you want to see in other people is by being the change first. Yeah. 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 Instead of waiting for it, I think it was Gandhi that said that, be the change. Mm -hmm. And I'm the same exact way. When When I first heard that, A, I thought to myself, there's no way it could be that simple. But the truth of the matter is the experience has taught me that it is that simple. If you want to be the change, be the change. Don't wait for the change to happen because the other thing is change is happening every single moment. We're experiencing change right now. Mm-hmm. Change of circumstances, change of timing, change of platforms, change of conversation. All of these are forms of changes. But within that, I think there also lies another question. And that is, how do you respond to that change? How do you respond to your set of circumstances? I recently had a conversation with, I don't know if you're connected with them, Nancy John, no, Casey Berman, I'll connect the, the three of you. But I was having a conversation with them and we were talking about this whole concept of control. Yes. Like what can you really control at the end of the day? Mm-hmm. If you're being completely honest and transparent with yourself. And the profound thing that they both shared was what they believe you can control is how you respond to your circumstances. Mm, Yes. Everything else I truly can't control. I can't control the next word you're going to say. I can't control what's going to happen after this conversation. I can't control who's going to listen to this. I can't control what they're going to do with it. And for me, that was a key shift Mm -hmm. that I was very fortunate to make within my own mind because it changed everything. My priorities shifted. I was no longer looking at the podcast metrics and thinking, man, 25 people from Louisiana listen, but only seven from New York City. How does that make sense? Because the populations are so different. Right. And I gave up that. I I no longer focus on those things because that's a variable I can't control anything about. Mm. You know, 
there might only be seven people from New York that listened that day because New York might have gone through X, Y, and Z event. Or people were doing something completely different, which is also perfectly fine. I mean, there might be a day where I'm doing nothing but paddleboarding, not listening to podcasts, listening to books or whatever it is. But then to someone who's focused on the metrics, is that a missed opportunity? Is that something that is less valuable, less worthy? Or it just happens to be so that you didn't catch that person at the right time. Hmm. So when you're talking about this, I love you're talking about control because it really brings me to something that in almost every person I coach, that is the topic that we hit on. Because as society, we somehow gotten to this, we're really great to fix people or change people or even the word help, you know, helping is sometimes putting our projecting our own uh, agenda onto another person. Yeah. And so when I'm coaching and I coach in fear, that's really control is one that you wouldn't think, but that's how fear will show up for some people, me included. And so <laughs> I can totally relate. Welcome to, that. to the club. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and you know, it's funny is because I literally have to ask at times like, okay, what can I control? What can't I control? And do I need to con- try to control anything in this moment? You know, we get so attached to outcomes you know, you're talking about Napoleon Hill. So yes, you have a thought process, which leads to an emotion and the emotion is what drives the action. Right. And then you get results. And sometimes those results we get so attached to that we're stuck in the thinking mode. Yeah. Rather than getting into what the feeling of it is and then having an attention and then being okay with whatever the result is. Yeah. A friend of mine shared with me this thing that I'll share with everyone today, and that's don't be married to the outcomes. Exactly. Understanding that things take their own course. I'll give you a perfect example. Right now, I live in Austin, Texas, and the apartment that I'm in right now, I've been putting this work order in for however many months by now, but they still haven't been able to take care of it. And it's it's a simple thing, fixing the flu to my chimney. So that I can actually open it and and use it and not have to, you know, use like sticks and stuff like that to open it because that's a fire hazard in the middle of a hazard in the middle of a fire. Right. So I'm sitting here and I'm thinking about, man, can't believe they haven't done it yet. What can I do differently? How can I bring this to their attention? When the reality of the matter is there's nothing about that situation I can control besides a how I respond to it. So am I going to let this particular event consume me for the rest of my day as well as the rest of my week or until they fix it? Or am I going to simply let it go, let it take its own course, do whatever I can do today, call, email, text, go to their office, explain the situation and explain the urgency behind it. And then from there, move on, keep going, go to the next event, go to the next adversity, the next challenge, the next adventure. And that has been the key is just recognize the adversity and then from there express whatever the possible solutions may be and then act. And then beyond that, give up my control of the situation because I can't control their schedule. I can't control that the maintenance team may not be in the office today due to some other adversity or emergency within their lives. Mm -hmm. So 
I think you bring up a really good point as far as where does it come from? I wish I knew the answer, the ultimate answer to that question. I think if anything, in my opinion, where it comes from is the projections that have been built up on top of each other. So it might've been, I mean, I think about limiting belief. Where did that come from? It might've started with one person expressing why something can't be done in one particular way. And then that concept might've expanded to, well, it can't be done ever. And then that was expanded to, well, there's nothing that can be done. And so it just continued to build and build. And I think there is an important for me, I think it's a form of responsibility that I take in when I speak to people. And this happens outside of podcasts and speaking opportunities. This is just in general. When I talk to people, I try to become as conscious as I am about my own projections onto others, because it's not like I don't experience fear. I experience fear every day. Mm -hmm. I experience self-doubt. I experience negative thoughts. I think it's, that's what it means to be a human. Mm-hmm. I have my own limiting beliefs. The difference is how do I choose to share them with you? And am I sharing them with you in order for you, for me to invite you into that conversation or to project a wall onto you mm-hmm. that is going to create even more barriers when it comes to your own limitations and your own fears and things that you may not want to do. So I think there is a responsibility that comes with that. I think there's a responsibility that comes with taking actions into my own hands, understanding how they may impact other people. And that directly ties to your theme and your platform of how do you invest in others? Mm -hmm. And that's choosing to invest in myself first, doing the inner work, knowing that I'm a work in progress and will most likely be for the rest of my life. Because the things that I know about confidence today may not be the things that I need to know in order to get to the next layer of confidence. I think the same is true with courage. Same is true across the board. Depression, stress, anxiety, whatever the topic is. I think within that journey, one last thing I'll mention that I begin to realize is I understood that, in my opinion, much of the journey is not about finding ways to eliminate these what perceived to be negative experiences, but it's more so it's about developing tools to deal with them. Yes. Because they're always going to be there. Right. Fear is always going to be there. Stress is always going to be there. Just like joy is always going to be there. So having that matter of perspective and having the tools, which to me are just simply questions. That's it. And if I'm not asking the question, well, how can I reframe that question and ask a better question? So if it is something that's challenging, that's happening within my life, I approach it through the lens of learning. What is this helping me learn? What is it helping me see differently that I haven't seen before? And within that, I'm able to experience all these other things, the gratitude or the joy that which comes from the gratitude within the gratitude. I could experience all these other emotions and all of a sudden the experience changes. It literally transforms in front of my own eyes. You just talked, you said so much. I'm just trying to pick nuggets out of there so because <laughs> I'm like, oh gosh, there's so many different ways. I love, love, love your thought process because we're on the same wavelength. It's really about being able to, you know, go back to control and what your friends that you mentioned before when fear shows up, it's about being having access to tools 
to use rather than to deny that the fear is even there. Yeah. Because when you resist something, what happens? It persists. So it's really about allowing time, space, the feelings, all of the things for you to go through in order to come out on the, then you can control how you get come out on the other side, right? A story that's popping up for me is I read this article about this woman who had water leaking into her basement and it was a stream of water. It wasn't just like a leak and then it didn't, it puddled. No, it was a stream of water that came in through the basement and then streamed along the way and went out, like exited another space in her house. And she made friends actually with this water and started asking it questions as if if it was a person and said, what is it that you're here to teach me? What is it that I need to learn? And you're spot on with what you had said about what does, how do, what does fear here to teach us? And a lot of times it's about that letting go of control. And sure enough, that's what hers was. Hers was about letting go and control. I think that how the story goes was something about there was a dispute in the HOA and the neighborhood about how is it the plumbing that's on the outside of, mm-hmm. of your house that that should go and, and who should pay for it and who shouldn't pay for it and whose responsibility it is. And when she decided to let go of control, it, the water literally started to no longer leak in through her house. But yeah. she took it as a way to really ask everything because everything is energy. So everything that comes into our lives is, what are you here to teach me? What do I need to learn in this moment? And when you said about confidence and you know all, all the courage and all the other things that you listed, it's a muscle, right? Every time we practice being courageous, every time we practice being vulnerable, we actually gain more confidence. Yeah. And I, I got to say this because it's like, oh, I love this. So when uh, I'm coaching someone and they're talking about all the things that's going wrong with their, their life, you hit the nail on the head when you talked about gratitude. You say, I ask them, you know, what, what is the one thing that you are grateful for in all of that complaining? What can you see? How can you see it from a, a different lens? And I experienced it myself. I went through an abusive relationship and on the other side, when I got out of it, it's like, I could totally have gotten stuck in all the complaining. I could have totally gotten stuck and I can't believe this is happening. I can't believe I now have to move and do all the things and, and, you know, rebuild. And yet I just sat in gratitude and took it all in, in such a, I am able to do this now. I am able to have this now. And look at it as a victory instead of a victim. Yeah. So how do you help? How do you serve others to really look at their own limiting beliefs? And how would you explain what limiting beliefs are? That's a really good question. I think limiting beliefs are thoughts that I experience that due to lack of previous experience don't put me in the position to understand 
that those things are possible and those things are the ones that are, the ones I can. So if I've never written a book before, nor do I have a point of reference of anyone within my immediate circle who has written a book, it's harder for me to conceptualize that writing a book is something that's even possible. Now, the experience is different if I have a friend of mine who has written a book that I can touch feel and smell. I'm able to experience the fact that it is possible. And that's where I think the environment plays a large influence Mm -hmm. or can play a large influence on one's trajectory in life. Because I found throughout my own journey that whenever I was surrounded by individuals who I was not serving or they were not serving me, I wasn't moving forward. I wasn't moving forward within my journey. I wasn't getting any closer to my goals. And it was difficult to actually not necessarily break away from those groups, but understand that these groups were there for a chapter, similar concept that people come into your life for a reason, a season, a lifetime. I think the same exact thing applies to groups and understanding that and stepping away from it and knowing that there might be a period of time where it is just me, myself, and I, and no one else. But believing in the possibility that throughout life, I will attract and meet other people who think like me, but who can also challenge my perspective and help me see differently and support me in ways that I haven't been supported in before. That's been the thing that has allowed me to keep going forward, keep moving along. The thing that you mentioned about limiting beliefs because I experienced them and as well as all of the other people that are within my immediate and outer circle experienced them as well. It's that it goes back to that same exact thing decision. Mm. How do you choose to project your limiting beliefs onto other people? So that it doesn't limit them even more, but rather may help them understand it through a different lens. So if my limiting belief right now is not knowing how or when I'm going to have a conversation with Oprah Winfrey and not for the sake of exposure, publicity or or anything, but more so an opportunity to express my gratitude to her because her along with Tony Robbins were the first two people that really helped me see that change is possible. They help me understand that change starts from within. They help me understand that it is a journey that may take many, many years to understand and comprehend to this degree, but that it's possible. So I look at that situation and I can experience it through two different perspectives. I can look at it through the lens of it's never going to happen. I don't have what it takes. My network right now is not one that can make an introduction like that. The work that I'm doing may never get on her radar, or I can look at it through the lens of her and I are aligned. Yes, I might be at a different step or different stage of my journey, but it doesn't mean that I'm necessarily a step behind or a step ahead. I'm just at a different journey of my own. I can also look at it through the lens of if I continue to attract other people, because I'm I'm also a big believer in energy, Mm -hmm. that if I put the right intention out there, that my true intention is truly to meet Oprah Winfrey, there's bound to be someone that I cross paths with that is either within six degree or three degree or one degree of separation that hears why it is that I'm wanting to meet her and makes the phone call. It's as simple as that. I've had things like that happen Mm -hmm. with other people, 
And going back to the experience, experience proved to me that certain limiting beliefs are just thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> there were times where I didn't know what it was like to be on a podcast. There were times where I didn't <laughs> know what it was like to record a podcast. There were times when I thought that recording a podcast was the last thing that I wanted to do because there were a thousand and one other people doing the same exact thing. Yeah. The reality of the matter is there might be a grain of truth in that statement that there are a thousand and one people recording other podcasts, but there is not a thousand and one people just like you. Right. There's only one you. There's only one perspective that you bring, and that's your energy, your presence, whatever else. And when I realized that through that lens, I started to understand that if I'm trying to make an impact on the world, the only thing I can really impact is myself. And so the podcasting and all these other things, they're just a form for me to amplify my energy and share it with the rest of the world. But then it goes back to another, I think even a deeper question within that, and that's, would you be satisfied or fulfilled if the only person you could change is you? See, I think there's an underlying, there, there was this phrase that I used to come across for multiple years, and that's, would you be happy if you can only change one person's life? I think the message underneath that, at least through the conversations I was having, it was oftentimes focused on the external, mm-hmm. that one person being someone else in the world. And then when I had that realization about change, and that the only one I can change is self and no one else, I started to shift that. And I said, would I be happy or satisfied if I could only change myself? So what if no one listens? So what if you don't impact everyone the way that you expect them to be impacted? And that was a big realization. I'm really grateful that I chose to lead from that perspective. So in a way, become the client of my own work instead of waiting for the client to attract to my work. Because now I truly understand what it is that I'm doing and what it is that I'm solving because I'm doing it. Now I truly understand what it's like to be appreciated, to be understood, to be seen, to be valued, because these are the things that I'm working on. I'm no longer approaching it through the lens of, I think it's this. I think it's that one might feel this way. Now I know with confidence through previous experience, Mm -hmm. what it's like to feel that. So tying it even more to that initial question that you asked, why do I choose to invest in other people? It's because in my opinion, I think people are full of potential. I think some people, myself included, don't know their full potential. And it's only for me, it's been through seeing other people achieve similar things or maybe different things that I've been able to use them as inspiration to help my under- to help me understand and reaffirm that I can do the same exact thing. Like me too. Yeah. I can do if if they did it, I can do it. Can I do it the same exact way? Probably not. It's going to be different. But the fact that I can start the journey, I can do that because they started the journey once upon yeah. a time. So, so true. You know, I asked the question about how would you explain limiting beliefs? Because I think it's a really great buzzword that a lot of people don't really grasp the concept behind it. And you're spot on with saying about the experience. And yesterday I was talking with a friend of mine, we were going on a walk, a hike, and we were talking about limiting beliefs. And I, he didn't really understand it either uh, in his own world. And uh, he hadn't, he hadn't heard the buzzword yet. 
And I said, well, think about it like this as a, as children growing up, we have adults around us who don't even think about saying things to us. They just say things to us and we carry them with us as being true. And we hold on to it as, oh gosh, that person knows they're older. So they must be telling us the truth. And it could be something like, you know, you could never start a podcast. You could never be, you know, on a microphone. You could never speak English, right? You know, it could be literally anything. And I think it's so profound when you talked about responsibility earlier, because the responsibility we have is now that we know better, we have to be better and do better. Yeah. Yeah. And so for me, it's really about learning what my own limiting beliefs are, my own story that I believed from childhood that somebody said to me and the ability to say it and tell it in a way that allows permission in that other person to really let their guard down and be vulnerable and see where they had been told something that isn't true. And then... And then being able to take action of just being with that thought for a little bit, maybe even grieving it and then um, releasing it and letting it, let it it go on its way because it taught us something kind of like what we were talking about before. Yeah. What did I learn from it? It taught me something and now I can, you know, give it love and release it. And look to a degree, I'll also expand upon that. I think, there are times where I wasn't able to find the ultimate origin of things. Yeah. So recently when I was approaching this whole topic of money, mm-hmm. money has been something that's of interest to me and that's not necessarily more ways to accumulate it, but just better understand it. How does money come into my life? What do I do with it? Once it enters, how do I continue its flow process, so to speak from myself to anyone else? entities, people, am I appreciative of it? Do I look at it as a resource or something that's completely different? I started to realize that some of these earlier projections that people passed on to me included with those closest within my family to friends, neighbors, and colleagues that I met. And those projections were money is evil. Everyone that's rich is an a-hole. Don't become rich. And I started to realize that In understanding those projections, many of those projections were solely based on people's experiences with it. Yes. Are there people that may be representing what it's like to be in an a-hole in the world? 110%. I'm probably one of those people sometimes. But understanding (laughs) that that's just one experience. And that's why I, I really try and be cautious about how I interpret someone else's experience with whoever when they describe it to me, because my experience might be different. Yeah. So you might've had a different relationship with money due to your own management debt, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. My experience doesn't have to be the same. Right. So even though there's a grain of truth with it all, and I think there is maybe some form of origin to those thoughts, it's very difficult to articulate what is the ultimate thing. And I think that's one of the things that fascinates me about being a human is that my mind just loves to get to the ultimatum. What is the Mm. ultimate answer? 
What's the, where does it come from? Yeah. I'm talking about confidence. Give me that thing. Don't take me through the journey of what it means to develop <laughs> confidence. Just give me that magic potion Yeah. that I could take now and I'll be good. And I think, I think the same applies to courage. I think the same applies to fulfillment. And I started to realize within that, that there is no magic mm-hmm. pill. There's nothing. It's a mm-hmm. journey. Yes. You know, it's all just one giant learning experience. Yes. There are times where I feel like I know certain things when the reality about it is I don't know anything. There are times where I feel like I've learned a lesson when the truth of the matter is when the similar experience comes, there's another lesson to be learned. Yes. So if anything, I, I look at life as a game and I and why I look at it through that lens is because Within a game, I picture a set of characters, I picture a set of moves, whether it's forward, backwards, left, right, and having the freedom to choose which character do I be mm-hmm. and what direction do I go. I think it's the same exact thing when it comes to the challenges. You have a choice. Absolutely. Are you an observer? Are you someone that's in the circumstances? Are you someone that caused the circumstances to happen the way that they did? And from there... What direction do you want to go? Do you want to learn from the circumstances? Do you want to be consumed by the circumstances or something completely different? Obviously, we're, this is a simplified version of a 8 to 10 to 12 year journey here in one to two sentences. But that's just been the truth for me is just understanding it through just the simplicity of what life has to offer. I have a choice. I can choose how I respond. Am I going to get it right every time? Absolutely not. Are there going to be times when I get sucked into the circumstances? Certainly. But more often than not, may I have the opportunity to take a step back, to reflect, to really try and understand why am I here? What led me here? What is the story that I'm crafting around this set of circumstances? And then ultimately, how convincing is that story? Am I convinced by the story enough to actually move into action and change my life, change the trajectory, change how I view what happiness looks like, what my relationships look like with myself, with those closest to me? So going back to the very first point, it all starts with self. Be the change. Yeah. Simple as that. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, as you're talking, I'm... I'm just thinking about how you as a young child, you know, you were adopted in a, from R- Russia, right? Yep. And came to America. Is that correct? Yeah. yeah. When I was 12 years old. And so you probably had, I don't know, I'm guessing because that's, you know, kind of the, like we were talking about before our parents. Mm-hmm. So, you know, inherently you have limiting beliefs put on you from those parents and then now you're adoptive parents and now you're moving through life. And so what, take us back to when you were really figuring it out along the journey and you had, did you have some sort of defining moment that you were like, you know what, I'm going to grow up. I'm going to choose to do, become a podcaster. I'm going to choose to do videos. I'm going to choose to inspire others of my story. Was there a defining moment that you were like, yes, this is exactly what I have to do? Yes and no. I I think for me, the defining moment was I was just inspired by other people. I was inspired in particular by people who chose to approach me through the lens of what is your story? Or Mm -hmm. I can't believe you went through X, Y, and Z circumstances. How did you do it? Tell me more. 
because when I think about my first however many years after being adopted, the challenges were real. Yeah. And coming to the States, not speaking any English, being put into a school system that's not really going at the pace that it is. Because when you're in sixth grade, in my opinion, you're not really in sixth grade. You're preparing for high school. Right. When you go into high school, you're preparing for college. When you start college, you get asked the ultimate question of life. And that's what do you want to do for a living? Right. So everything is accelerated. And I I started to realize that for me, being a podcaster, being a speaker and developing this organization, none of those were even a form of a reality. They weren't even a dream. In fact, I was terrified of public speaking. I was terrified of getting onto a stage and quote unquote being wrong. Sure. I was terrified of mispronouncing certain words. And it was easy to recognize that because school, well, school gave me plenty of opportunities to see that. Mm. When I mispronounce certain words and you hear somebody laughing in the background, that was the ultimate sign of rejection. So for me, wanting to fit in, it wasn't something that I was... It wasn't optional for me. It was needed yeah. because starting in sixth grade, going into a school, going into a system where there were already certain groups of people who had friends, who had identified certain interests that they wanted to do in life. And I was starting from scratch. It was a completely different journey for me. But I think what the difference that I started to notice within my life was the more I began to share my story with other people. And the more people begin to ask me the question of tell me more or what else has been within your journey that made X, Y, and Z difference. That's where I started to understand that there's value in my experience and there's value in how I share that experience. Now, have I had stages in when it comes to sharing my experience? Absolutely. Did I start off by sharing experiences where I would take people into the darkest pit of my life? and not know how to help them climb out of that 110%. But that's, I think, part of the journey is Mm -hmm. understanding that, yes, I might take you into a very challenging experience within my own life, but now it's a form of responsibility for me to help pave a path to get out of that for you. I didn't always start off like that. I remember one of the first times I shared my story in public. It's in front of a group was one of the first times, but one of the recent times that comes back to my, my mind mm-hmm. here in Austin, Texas, part of a group. And I think the theme for that day was decision. And so I stood up in the middle of 20, 30, 40 people and every single person in the room was picked to share on this topic. And I chose to share my decision to leave my home country, leave my parents, start a new life, come to this group, decision to start this business. And I remember throughout the whole time, my hands were shaking. I was literally crying. My voice was cracking. Mm -hmm. Every possible thing you could imagine when it comes to the public speaking world was Mm -hmm. literally happening at the same exact time. But I continued to speak. And it was through that experience, I was able to understand that everything has its own stages. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to the public speaking world, in my opinion, everything is a platform. Yes. I think far too often I misunderstood that. I thought that the only times I am quote unquote part of an event or platform is when I'm either paid for my time Mm. or where there's an audience or where there's a physical stage or platform that I'm able to stand on. Mm -hmm. The reality of the matter for me is that that's not the ultimate truth to that experience. 
every opportunity I get to speak with is a platform. Yes. So whether it's a conversation in the grocery store, whether it's a conversation when I'm getting gas, Mm -hmm. whether it's a conversation when I'm walking my dog, really those conversations are not any different than the conversations that I have at schools, universities, and wherever else. Those are all opportunities for me to share who I am. Those are all opportunities for me to listen about who you are. So listening to other people and understanding that there's value in my story or the things that inspired me to step on this journey. And and the other thing I'll mention briefly is I'm I'm a spreadsheet guy. (laughs) I love to put everything in spreadsheets. And in fact, if, if I can put it all onto one page, like my whole life onto one page as I see it now, Mm-hmm. It helps me. If I have to do three or four pages that I got to flip through, you've lost me. It, it's it's too many too many things to get through. I'd like to see it all visually, however it makes sense. Yeah. And so I remember prior to moving to Austin, doing this exercise where I literally just broke down a simple letterhead page, white sheet of paper into three columns. And I had strengths, weakness, weaknesses, and areas I wanted to improve in. Mm-hmm. It was that mm-hmm. simple. And then I just started to write bullet points in areas I wanted to improve in. I still remember the things I wrote down in that photography and public speaking. Mm -hmm. And then my strengths, I wrote organization, confidence, some of the other things, weaknesses, somewhat similar to the areas I wanted to improve in, public speaking, fear of rejection, acceptance, Mm -hmm. fear of abandonment, things like that, community. And then I just started to literally formulate a plan. I just said, how can I combine all of these different areas into daily actions that I can take that can help me get to the end goal and actually transform the weakness into a strength or the trend or transform the area that I wanted to improve into some other form. So public speaking was definitely in the weakness. It was something that I shied away from. I didn't want to do it. In fact, as I reflect upon my first podcast I recorded. That was an experience of its own. I didn't even know what questions I was asking. There was just so many things like this is a microphone. I don't even know how to use this, but, (laughs) and I remember the very first podcast, it would be funny to revisit this with the guests that I had. We went to a studio. I thought that you had to go to like a professional studio to record your first podcast. Yeah. We went there and we, I remember walking in This guy meets me at the front and he says, you know, what's your time slot? I said, 1130 or 1230. He gives me two microphones. And my first thought, my first question to him is how to use them. He's like, oh boy. So he walked with me all the way to the room. He helped me set it all up. And still, I didn't know what I was doing. Sure. I didn't know where it was being recorded to. I didn't know how to get the file afterwards. Yeah. So there's just there was so much along that journey, but I think the biggest thing that helped me along the whole thing is finding other people who were willing to enable to encourage me to keep going, mm-hmm. encourage me to keep sharing my experience, keep sharing everything that I'm learning through it. Because the other thing that I was misunderstanding, and this goal this goes to the whole concept of a story, is I thought that whenever I was asked the question of what is your story, it only implied what is your story of your past what is your story of your childhood Mm. circumstances when the reality of the matter is every single day every single experience is a form of a story yeah so 
what is the story that you're telling yourself about X, Y, and Z goal that you think you are not capable of achieving? What is your story that you're telling yourself about your most recent breakup? What is your story that you're telling yourself about a family member that may not be aligned with who you are? Those are all stories. And then the, in realizing that, I started to realize that it's the stories that really impact my trajectory and my life moving forward. So how can I shift that story? So what that I might have had to reschedule a certain podcast however many times, what's the story that I'm telling about it? Am I telling the story that, man, I can't stick to a commitment or on a story that there were other circumstances that had to happen within my life in order for me to get to a particular point. That's why I think I'm a huge believer in that narrative. Yeah. Huge believer that it all starts with a story. I mean, I think Henry Ford said this, whether you think you can or whether you think you can't, you're right. Exactly. Yeah. It all goes back to the story of whether you think you can do it, what are the reasons for that, or what are the reasons for why you can't do it. And in either one of those situations, you are right. Mm-hmm. You're right according to the lens that you see that particular story through. Hmm. So true. So true. So if our listeners are listening and they are experiencing some sort of a shift that they're wanting, they're, they've noticed change that they want to be. So what advice would you give them in order to become that change? I think first is recognition, in my opinion. So which aspect of your story or experience would you like to see differently? So whether it's the relationship you have with yourself, whether it's the relationship that you have with someone else, for me, one of the things that I've become a lot more conscious about is how I show up in my relationships with other people. Am I taking certain people for granted? Mm. Am I showing up more for, for ones compared to others? So challenging my assumptions and expectations also of how it needs to be, because each story, each experience, each transformation is going to have its own course. And then just giving it time, understanding that everything that's worthwhile is going to take time, but recognizing what would you like to see differently? Just doing an honest approach to it all. What would I like to see differently as it comes to how I show up in my relationship with my parents? What would I like to see differently as it comes to being able to have a sit down with Oprah Winfrey? Can I do it or can I not? Well, I'm going to say, yes, you can only from the simple fact is when I get there as well, I'll say, look, I'm, I'm bringing my friend Oleg. We got to do this together. Yeah. No, but I think, I, I think it really is. It's simple when it comes to the thought. It's more complex when it comes to the actual work, mm-hmm. because that's a daily, it's a daily thing. Absolutely. It's a daily thing to show up for myself. It's a daily thing to recognize that today is the day I might wake up one to two hours later than expected, but that's okay. Today is the day I may not get through some of the things that I envision, but that's okay. So just really choosing to be of service to myself before I can be of service to others. Yeah, That's the best approach that I'm choosing to take with it all. Yes. I talk about this when I speak to is about being able to honor, serve, challenge, honor yourself, honor your feelings. So you can honor another person's feelings, serve yourself first. So you can serve, you have the energy to serve others and then challenge yourself. So you can be the example to challenge others. Yeah. I love that. Love that you talked about that. So 
Oleg, our time is coming to a close. So how can people find you? What is your website? I know we said it in the beginning, but please say it again and, and your podcast. I would say the best ways that people can connect with me personally is probably through LinkedIn. That's where I spent most of my time and energy on. And then outside of that, the website, and that's overcomingodds.today. The two podcasts that I host called Overcoming Odds. The other one is called The Power of Your Story. And then there's a third one that Scott Mason and I host called Just a Squirrel Looking for a Nut Trying to Get Out of This Rut. And that's a <laughs> weekly show that we host every every Thursday. Similar concepts, yeah. trying to break down some of these bigger topics into more manageable bite-sized pieces that people can walk away from. So for anyone that's interested, please reach out and we'll see where the conversation takes us. And I have to say the, the one, the squirrel looking for the nut is highly entertaining. I guess Scott Mason's, you know, a friend of yours as well as mine. So I love watching you guys together. It's He's fun. a character. Yes. He is a yes. character. Well, like, thank you so much for your time, for your time to, you know, be patient and reschedule and all the things that's, that's mm-hmm. happened. So thank you for being here. And I always like to leave with this question of what phrase, scripture, or mantra are you living by right now? Be the change. That's the one. Just That's... focus on self. Serve myself first before serving others. It's perfect. Perfect, perfect. Well, thank you for being here today. Thank you. Thank you for doing everything that you do in, in creating this space for other people and allowing others to pick up and find their own steps within their own journey of whatever it's needed to make the changes that they aspire for. I I received that. Thank you. That's beautiful. Thank you. And thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, because I mean, Oleg's brilliant. So I'm sure you did. (laughs) And I'm sure you may even took some notes. So please go over to Apple podcast and leave a five-star review. That will really help us out until next time. Don't turn this off just yet. Does the thought of collaborating and connecting with a diverse group of creative thought leaders appeal to you? Do you have a compelling story and don't know where to start? Have you ever thought about writing a book and thought about writing the whole book is overwhelming? Well, we are looking for you. We want to connect and collaborate with other podcasters, coaches, and entrepreneurs who want to gain exposure. We are looking for other people who want to co-author a book with us. You can find out more details at firestartersbookproject.com.